Welcome to Go Closer, the podcast that explores spiritual transformation and what it takes to go closer to God each day. Hi, I'm Kara Whitney. I'm a wife, a mom, and an evangelist author. Hi, I'm Arnie Cole, a behaviorist and researcher for the Center for Bible Engagement that loves to study life transformation. You know, every person has a story. And today we have a story that will inspire you to go closer. So Arnie, today's guest is actually somebody that I know. She was the girl that everyone envied in high school, myself included, because she had this amazing 80s hairdo that everybody wanted. But I did not know this about her. Beneath the surface, she was actually falling apart. Yeah, it's very interesting. And she tells of even her attempted suicide, which I think was a complete surprise to you, wasn't it, it, Kara? It was. I had no idea. Becky became a sister in Christ, and I learned all of these things about her, and it was amazing. But what is so cool is now that Becky is living for Jesus, and she gives us great examples, and her story is amazing. Also, it's tremendous that she was able to overcome the shame of her past. I mean, that's huge. So many people can't do that. I think a lot of people do. So this is an important one. Give it a listen. Today, I'm excited to talk to someone that I've known my whole life, but actually known of in my my youth. So Becky, welcome to Go Closer. Thanks for having Um, me. Yep. Arnie and I today want to speak to you because Becky was a, a like an upperclassman. Becky was older than me. Becky had this tremendously fabulous 80s hair. She yes. was so put together, all this going on, super uh, you know, popular girl. And I was like, wow, I want to be that, right? But this is what I... It, so let me just fast forward, though, to where we're at now. Becky, at one point, uh, becomes great friends with my sister, and... I don't even know how you two met. Was it through something medical or? It was all over a boy. All over a boy. Okay. Yeah. So, she so, was his friend. And if, and if I had to win him, I had to win her. So. Oh, that's how that is. Okay. We, we'll go back to that. Um, but this is what I find so awesome about Becky's story. Things aren't always what they appear. This is what's so crazy, Becky. When you were 19 years old. When I thought you had it all together, you did not have it all together. Can you explain what was going on with you in that time period? Well, I think as any young adult, 19 is a hard age. You're just trying to figure out who you are. You're floundering and you're like, where is my life going? What am I doing? And I just hit rock bottom and I wanted to be done. I wrote letters to my family members that I was going to end my life, that it was over. I just I just couldn't do it. And so one night I had I had, was I was on this medication to help me sleep and I thought I'm going to take these and I'm going to go to sleep f- forever, you know? So I I remember sitting on my bed and I grabbed the prescription and I looked at it and I was like, "All right, I'm going to do this." And as soon as I took the bottle, God's voice, probably for the first time in my life, was so audible and was just like, you know, I gave my son for you. When are you going to start living for me? Wow. Well, can can you roll it back a little further? I mean, you were raised in a, a Christian home. I mean, wouldn't your parents, if you had committed suicide, have said, man, 
we did everything we could. You were raised in a Christian home, and everything was was good. What? Roll it back. What happened? Sure. You know, when you you can be raised in a Christian home and it not ever, ever be about a relationship with the Lord. You know, you can go to church. Um, you know, I went to Sunday school. My grandparent, my, my grandmother taught Sunday school. I went to the Methodist church. and and But it was never about a relationship. It was never about an intimate relationship with the creator of the universe. It was religion. And sometimes religion complicates what God made very simple. And that was to simply love yourself and love one another and love him. You know, there wasn't the relationship. It was do this, do that, don't do this, or you'll go to hell, don't do, you know. And so my world fell apart when my mom, and when my parents divorced when I was 15. And I was like, you know, I guess I don't want to follow all these rules that they had, you know, and, and so I started making very poor choices, choices that didn't honor me, that didn't honor the Lord and didn't honor my body. And so when I was 19 and I had a relationship that ended, I just, I had put all my stock in that and not in who God said I was. I didn't live in a home that fostered getting into scripture or to, to do things that honored him. And so there just wasn't that relationship. There wasn't that, that, you know, creating that intimate relationship with the Lord to know you, who I was. So your parents divorced. Did it seem like they were hypocrites then because they were, yeah. you know, fostering sort of go to church, do these things, and then that all fell apart? It really did. You know, my parents were never preachy, but my parents ending their relationship was a shock, a shock. So you didn't see it coming at all? Nobody saw it coming except my mom. So that was probably the hardest thing is just just wrapping our heads around, like, how does this happen? How does two people that appear to be very much in love, and I still believe my parents, you know, they have a good relationship, you know, and I just think that for, you know, 20-some years, that's who God, you know, had placed them together. And so, you know, they made choices to separate and divorce, and my mom is remarried, and you know, has a relationship with God now, but it's different. You know, when you understand who you are and whose you are, it just makes it different. It's not about the religion. You know, religion, like the Bible is so important, but sometimes we get wrapped up in what not walking in that level of grace, you know, that says, you know what, you, you made a misstep, but you repent and you turn from that and turning, you know, repenting is turning from that way and just realizing that you have this loving father. As parents, we see that with our own children. I think that's been such an eye-opener for me, just being my own a parent and extending that grace to my children when they stumble. You know, like, yeah, okay, so you made a mistake. What can we learn from it? You know, what's the takeaway? As I was growing up, I saw, I saw God in a lot of ways, but I didn't know that that was him until now I can look back. And even that night, you know, I woke my dad up and I said, you need to take me to the hospital. I just overdosed. And and he was very like, okay, let's go. No, what were you thinking? Or, you know, not no condemnation. It was like, okay, let's go. Let's do what we need to do to get you better. I wish now I recognize that that was a moment I really should have turned from my ways, but I didn't. <laughs> so give, give us a little insight into your suicide attempt. Kids at Record levels are attempting suicide like n never before. What was it? 
I mean, truly, was it a guide and you just no future, no nothing? Um, it was, yeah, it was, I was in this relationship that I had been in for quite a while and I just found my value in that, you know, like I just, that's, that was my identity. I was this person's significant other. And when that ended and just being at that age, that like nine, 18 to you know, like 23, 24 year old age is such a challenging age for our young adult. They're trying to figure out what is my purpose? What, what is, what am I passionate about? What am I going to do with the rest of my life? And so, yeah, I felt, I just didn't, I just wanted to, it to be done. It was very selfish. Suicide is very selfish. When you're in that moment, you don't think that way. But as soon as I took the pills and God spoke to me, I like this veil was removed of, this is very selfish. I couldn't imagine my dad waking up and finding me not there, not alive, you know? Right. Um, and then, and then the trauma, right. And then the trauma that they would endure the rest of their life of what could have I done? What did I do? You know, all that stuff. And it's a lot of insight to just how one action is such a ripple effect. And, you know, I, I have teenagers now and I, you know, I have four children and, um, there isn't one of them that at one point was like, you know, I know the Lord, but I just don't, what's my purpose? I just don't want to be here anymore. You know, and just even as a parent, just like talking through that, what does that look like? When your kids finally get what their identity is and him and not their identity for what you want for them, it's a beautiful light bulb that goes off because then they're like, oh, oh, yeah, this is what God did for me, you know, and and I'm here to glorify him, you know, and taking my life doesn't honor the Lord and it doesn't honor myself, you know, and just, I mean, just recently we had our our, one of our kids that just was really struggling. And, and I think it, I think it's just having that open communication. Cause once he talked about it, he was released of it, you know? And once we just prayed and just really interceded for him, then he was released of it. And, you know, I think also understanding that, you know, John 10, 10 says the enemy has come to kill, steal and destroy. And, and our kids, our youth, our younger generations, they're under attack. We just have to be interceding for them. Well, just like when your parents were divorced, it's a missed, it's a, it's like mixed signals going on there, mm-hmm. right? I think the world does that. They say, oh, you're supposed to do it this way or that way. But then the world's showing them something different than that. I mean, to be young and to, I mean, even when we were young, Becky, just those mixed things that were going on. Right. Do you as I say, it, but don't do as I do. Yeah. You want to get mm-hmm. married, ha- you know, have a family or a career, and you want to stay on that path, straight and narrow, whether mm-hmm. you're even in a Christian home, you want to do life well, mm-hmm. but then the world gets to you and it gives you all these mixed messages about wanting to be popular or do it this way. And it's a very selfish way, mm-hmm. you know, very, so many mixed messages. So I think, yeah, getting to your kids and letting them know who they are, who does God say that they are? Absolutely. Talk through that. Mm-hmm. So you take a bottle of pills. You wake your dad up. And well, I'm, wait. She hears a voice, though. Yeah, let's, yeah. I'm going to talk about I'm it. I did. Okay, it was going to happen every day. Arnie Cole. <laughs> I'm rounding back. Okay. 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 But I'm saying you spent a few days in the hospital. I did. I did. Yeah. I had and to throw it up and... Throw it up, the whole thing. Exit so, it out. <laughs> she was a fifty-one fifty, a danger to herself or others. Yeah, 
I don't know about that. I don't see Becky ever being a danger to others. To herself. Yes, to herself. I don't know. My kids might beg to differ. but Right. You're, you are a force. And, um, but so you do hear an audible, an audible voice from God. What did he say? He said, I gave my son for you, my son's life for you. When are you going to start living your life for me? And it was very like, holy buckets. <laughs> yeah. You wake your dad up. You're in the hospital. It was a very long night. It was just a very, like, I I was full of shame and guilt. I was just going to say, you had to Mm -hmm. be just so, just having that feeling of shame. Like, what have I done? And now all this attention's on me. So embarrassed. So embarrassed. I just couldn't believe it. Like, it it really made me realize, like, hearing God's voice and just realizing how stupid, how stupid of a reason to end my life over. There's nothing that ever happens to us that's worth that. Because what Jesus endured for us was so amazing. Was there any a time any time where your parents came in and just said you want to talk about it? Like what's going on here or No, actually my my dad is a my dad's an amazing man, but he's not a let's talk through this guy. He always allowed me to talk. He knew that I'm a talker. He knew that I would eventually just talk through this. It was one of those things where it was like it's really dumb. I don't want to talk about this. We need to just move on, you know. And my those were my wishes like with my mom and stuff too, so. So you never really they never really got to the core of what the problem was. No. No. Right. Because I continued to make choices year after year (laughs) until I met the Lord. So, okay. So we'll move on with that then. So you hear, you actually hear from God Mm -hmm. and you still did not live for him. Can you elaborate? I I don't think I knew what that looked like. Honest, quite honestly. I just didn't know what that relationship with him looked like. You know, I knew going to church on Sunday, what that looked like, hearing a message, um, listening to choir songs, I just, I just didn't know what all in looked like, and so I didn't have an example to follow, you know, like a relationship example to follow. I can totally relate to that because I came to Christ by studying the resurrection, and I believed Jesus mm-hmm. is exactly who He says He is. I'm all in on this, but the relational piece I found to be difficult. Considering I didn't have anyone in my life, I mean, Dan is watching me study and dive into it, um, and he does see a change because I'm going, okay, I need, I can do these things. But the relational piece, like giving God my life, it took some time. Mm-hmm. I would say probably two years even after I was like, okay, I believe it. Now what? Mm-hmm. Nothing felt any different. Does that sound the kind of what you were experiencing? Oh, absolutely. It was really like... Okay, God wants me to live for him, but I don't really know what that looks like. And nobody's really pouring into my life being being an example, you know, like... How did you get there then? Over the years of of my past marriage and having the kids and stuff, I think when I finally got in a church that I was serving and growing and learning from is when I began to see the examples, like surrounding myself with... My husband's family was, um, Steve's family is very relational with the Lord. And and so just, it's probably when I got married to Steve is when I began to see what a relationship with the Lord looked like. And that intrigued me. 
you know, but I also knew like out of our mouths reflects our hearts. And so I also knew that I had a lot of work to do internally because what I was saying was reflecting a heart that was deeply still hurt. You know, so it's like, it was a process, um, but every layer that's removed, every hurt that's removed just gets you that much closer. When you deal with your junk and you clear your spiritual lens, then you're able to see people through the lens in which God loves them. Do you ever wonder during your, your struggle years why somebody you knew from church or someone who is a Christ follower didn't pursue you? Because people had to know you were struggling. That's a really great question, Ernie. I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe I hid it well and some didn't. I don't know why there was, I don't know. Sometimes there's that fear of confrontation. Like, I don't want to confront this because this is a heavy, hard topic. She's fine. She didn't, she didn't commit suicide. So let's move on. I don't, I don't know. That's a really great question. You know, um, I have a lot of young adults in my life right now and, if any one of them were struggling like that, I'd be just by their side. Yeah, I would never want to, anyone to do that again. Right. We try to motivate people, especially mature believers like yourself, to take a look around them and not miss the Beckys of the world who are in deep trouble. Who And then they do something. That's the time they need people the most. But it sounds like you pretty much were walking alone even afterwards after your attempt. It's amazing. I, yeah, it's it is. I think, you know, as parents, sometimes we, it's a challenge of what do we do with these young adults and how do we guide them? There's just not a, there's not an instruction manual for being a parent, period. But I've been on my knees more for my young adults than I, than I was for my children as children. I never want them to feel like they're so alone that they can't express, man, life sucks. How do we get through this? Yeah. So you, you said you're making some poor decisions, you know, as, as you're going along from 19 on, when did you become a Christ follower? Like or, uh, a place or an event or there's something you can point to? Yeah. After I was married to my husband for a few years, I went to a women of faith conference uh, in the Twin Cities. I had my mother-in-law, she was such an amazing God-fearing woman. And she always was inviting us to church. Just, you guys should come to church. You, you know, she was printing off scripture, hanging on the fridge. And, and I believed in God at that point, but I hadn't, like, really heard him lately or, you know, to know, okay, yeah, he's there, he's tangible, really understanding the Gospels. And at that conference, I felt his presence for the first time in a long time. And that's when chains broke off. And I came back and was like, we need to do something different. Like our life didn't reflect God and it didn't honor the Lord. You know, and that was really a turning point, which actually headed into a really dark season of losing my mother-in-law to cancer. So my husband was full of anger and rage, and he was really mad at God for taking his mom. Yeah, that's a tough way. But God grounded me before that happened, that season happened, which was, I believe, part of the reasons why we're still married, you know, because... Because society says when it gets hard and you don't like the other person, that you should just be done. But marriage is a commitment. It's such a deep commitment, and it's not always fun, and it's and it's work, and you don't always like the person, but you have to love them, and you have to know that that's worth it, you know. 
And so, well, yeah, also, too, what would his impression of God have been then if you bailed on him? Oh, right. Like, hey, she's running towards the Lord. All these things are happening, mm-hmm. and I'm hard, so she's just going to hit the bricks. Well, know? and you know when you, you have somebody who is hard and their darkness is really dark, and then you begin to be light, they bump into each other. And that created more conflict, too, because all of a sudden I'm like not swearing, not saying things that I would have said that dishonored the Lord. And he's still, I'm changing, and he's still just getting angrier. But, you know, there was a moment where I just wanted to be done, and my husband made a comment about packing his bags and leaving. And and I remember walking up the stairs, and I just really wanted to say, yeah, pack your stuff up and go. And God held my tongue and showed me the amount of, like, just gave me this glimpse of what my husband's life would be like had I given up on him. The anger, the generational cycles would continue of anger and rage. He would never be soft for the Lord. And and so God needed me to shut my mouth <laughs> and not right. say what I wanted to say. And so like the next day then I called, reached out to a pastor and that's when I just was like, something's got to give, you know? Um, and that began our journey of healing. Just, we, we, we were all in, we were all in. We went to church every Sunday. We had our devotions. We joined Bible studies. We were hungry for the Lord. God took us through it and out of it and He's right there alongside of you through every valley. It's just crazy. Did you have a hard time uh, breaking up with shame? Oh, yeah. And could you offer some insight into someone listening? I think that's just a hard thing. Women, especially with uh, failed marriage or maybe bad parenting, with that shame. Sure. how How do you break up with that? Shame is, it's something that you have to realize that, shame and guilt the enemy keeps you though he uses those things to just keep you stuck he uses those things to you know like a bad weed in your garden and once you're able to say you know what god's word doesn't say that that's who i am god's word says that i'm forgiven and i'm made new you know i'm a new creation he doesn't remember you know when you accept jesus as your lord and savior he doesn't remember all your junk so why are we resurrecting it? You know, but sometimes shame is like hot potato. You just find it back in your lap and you just have to keep giving it to the Lord until you realize, why am I doing this? You know, it's definitely um, really understanding your identity of who God says you are so that you can know that I don't have to walk in shame um, and guilt and all those icky things. You know, we just don't. I, I'm actually working on a new book, and I'm having had Becky write a chapter. And so my response to your walk is shame. And it's so interesting, too, because so many times people go, yeah, I get it. Like, I'm forgiven, but I can't forgive myself. And I wrote in that, well, then you're basically saying that your standard is higher than God's. Right. Because you're so right, Becky. Like he not only says, I'm going to cast it as far as the east is to the west, but I'm even going to go further than that, and I'm going to forget about it. Mm-hmm. And so I just think that's such an important thing. Like it's finished. It's done. You've you've asked him for forgiveness. He's forgiven you, and you got to move on. And then you, you're being sanctified. You're trying to build upon 
the things that you've lost. But you don't always get to redeem them, but they get to be redeemed on the other side. And that's the hope we have. Absolutely. So I, I just totally wanted to touch on that. Yeah. Uh, well, and I think, you know, with... Um I think shame and guilt and all those things go along with what other people think or you're you're always thinking someone it really has a lot to do with yourself but it's also you know wondering how other people view you so you view yourself through the lens in which you're sure other people see you but other people don't see the shame you know and sometimes we we respond in a way that is we're we're wrapped up in what other people think you know and it doesn't matter it just doesn't matter what other people think. We can't control what they think. And so all we can do is control how we respond, you know, and, and we have to look at ourselves and say, you know what, I'm a mess and I made these mistakes and I, you know, repent for a moment and I'm going to move on. Right. That's not who I am. It's just what I did. <laughs> what keeps you, though, Becky, from going closer? From going closer to God? Yeah. Like what trips you up? What are the things that keep coming back? For me... Self-doubt trips me up. My book chapter's on self-doubt, <laughs> and I have to work through that. I constantly have to go back to what I know to be true. But what what do you think um, can sometimes be an obstacle in your faith walk? Oh, man. I'm just insecure sometimes of what I'm, what my purpose is. I know God has one, but it's like, oh, God, is this where I'm supposed to be? Or, you right. know, Um and yeah, so probably like along the lines of doubt too, like doubting, is that where I'm supposed to go? Is that what I'm supposed to do? But I always look to him and I just think, okay, Lord, I don't need to see the whole staircase. Just show me the next step, you know? So it's just working, you know, just releasing it, just release it and just be like, okay. What about worry? We, we see oftentimes people say one of their biggest spiritual struggles is worry and anxiety. Yeah, those are tough. I mean, we live in a society that is fast-paced, and I think that society keeps has a tendency to keep our souls anxious because it's keeping us overstimulated. And so I think that that's where we have to settle back and be still with the Lord. We have to make that time to sit in His presence just to be part of society today. You know, that it's more important than ever that we— seek that stillness with him um, because once you hit the ground running you're running you know I forgot your question Arnie well how do you find <laughs> how do you find that stillness though yeah how do you deal with worry it, it it's such a heavy hitter for a lot of people yeah well scripture says that we don't gain anything by worrying right so we have to, and I know that that's so much easier, like the Christianese answer is that, you know, to answer a scripture. But really, if we are trusting the Lord with our life, then we surrender worry and we surrender anxiety. Now, does it come back every once in a while? Absolutely. And in those moments, you have to, you know, recite verses that, you know, you have to arm yourself with that scripture that says, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. You know, anxiety. How many times did fear not? How many times did it in the Bible? Fear not over 365. You know, so God's got a plan. He's got a plan for our life and it's good. And so sometimes we can worry about finances. We can worry about our children. And But if we're really trusting and not leaning on our own understanding, then we're allowing him to do what he's really good at. I actually found, yeah, that that scripture probably is the best uh, 
weapon. Yes. Because you do, like, especially now, you get bombarded with so much news, so much stuff on social media. And we live in this, like, what if? But I've just broke up with that. I'm like, mm-hmm. I can't. What if this happens? What if that? I don't. I tell you what, tomorrow is enough worries of its own. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to focus on today. It works. It does. It totally does. But you got to be conscious of it. Mm-hmm. Well, so, you have to be intentional. You have to yeah, be intentional. I think just as Jesus has a wonderful plan for your life, Satan has a horrible plan mm-hmm. for your life. Yeah. And his most powerful tools are shame because he knows you can't change the past. No matter what you do, you can't change the past. So if he can get you to focus on that, define yourself by your past, he has victory in in your life. Or the other way is if he can make you worry about the future, then those two weapons of his really grounds a lot of Christ followers to zero, to at least where they're not effective with other people. Well, and I think too, you know, I remember years ago going to Arnie. Arnie's the one that was like, hey, what do you think about writing this book, doing this thing? And when I told Arnie no, then his wife stepped in and encouraged me to go forward. But but I remember going to Arnie and saying, here's my thing that's that's holding me back. I'm going to put this book out. But I just felt like such a phony because of my past. Mm. Becky and I, I mean, it's a small town, so... Here, we're going to put this out and everybody's going to go, this (laughs) is a lie, because I know who she really is. I know the things she's done. Man, that was a huge one to step over. And I thank Arnie, because Arnie's like, yeah, that's a big one. That's all he said, (laughs) which means, which was Arnie's way of saying, yeah, I got some doozies too, but guess what? I don't even go there because I've stepped over that. Yes. I know. That's when you called. I was like, man, that was so many lives ago. You know, like who we were in high school or who we were even after or who we were even two years ago. We're always growing. You know, God's always sanctifying us and refining us. I can't wait to send Becky the chapter because, Becky, I talk about nine lives. Everyone thinks cats. They have nine lives. But then I'm like, but think about horses. You know, they're sold. They're bought. All these things are all these lives that a horse has. But we're like that. You know, Mm -hmm. we have... Just a lot going on. So, Becky, uh, the name of the podcast is Go Closer. What helps you go closer to God? Like, give us some tips for people listening that help you go closer to God in your relationship. Sure. I love, you know, getting into the scripture, but I also love having a high-speed connection to the Lord. So I'm always chatting with Him. I'm, no matter what I'm doing, I'm sitting here processing stuff for my work, and I'm just like chatting with them. Lord, ease my anxiety right now because I'm going to be on the air with Arnie Cole, and <laughs> and Kara and Kara. So, <laughs> but you know what, Lord, I want my words to glorify you. So it's like I'm always chatting with them, and I do. You know, it, we have to be careful what we allow to come in to our bodies too, like. You know, guarding what we watch, guarding what we listen to, you know, fostering that environment within my home with two teenagers, but still be relatable. You know, so it's definitely like, you know, spending that time with the Lord, seeking, God, I want to hear you. And I want to hear you in the midst of my mess. Like, I want to hear you in the middle of my workday, guiding my process, you know. 
Um, so as I've always, you know, as a youth leader, I told the kids that I'm like, we don't, we don't want to have a dial-up connection to the Lord, and they don't really know what dial-up is. But you know, it's like you don't want to just do church Sunday. You want to do church Monday through Sunday. You know, you want to be having that relationship with the Lord all the time. And we have our small groups that meet during the week, and that's always good to plug in with my ladies. And we have a, a group text just building each other up this morning. They were texting me, praying for our um, podcast today. So it's having those great cloud of witnesses, Kara, that we talked right. about in that scripture surrounding you so that you're always being lifted and pointed to Jesus, you know, even in every season and every crazy thing that happens, like okay, Lord, how are you going to be glorified in this? This seems pretty crazy, but I know I know you're here. I know you're, you've got a plan for this. So, Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's amazing. It is a good story, Becky, and you just keep on trucking. Yeah. <laughs> and I love it. Thank you so much for sharing. Absolutely. And I love, it's just authentic faith. That's what we do. Helps people go closer. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think just, you know, being tucked in the Word and spending time with Him, you have to make that time. You have to. We make time to sit on social media. We could really be on our knees. So it's up to us what we choose. Join us next week as we hear from Paul, a missionary who was on the hit list of the Taliban. Visit GoCloser.com today for more stories of transformation and for your copy of Faith in Real Life, a powerful book that will inspire you to walk in the light, even when life gets dark. Request your copy of Faith in Real Life at GoCloser.com.